0: every monday to
1: friday this is peter lewis's money talk talk. good morning this is peter lewis welcoming you to a rare leap year money talk on thursday the 29th of february It's our extra leap year day it's also a budget special on money talk this morning we're going to analyze financial secretary paul chan's 2024 budget with our panel of guests very shortly this podcast is sponsored by Surfing Group, which is headquartered in Singapore and offers online financial services to 30 million customers across 10 countries. In today's business and finance headlines, Hong Kong financial secretary Paul Chan looked to plug holes in his budget in his 2024 revenue and spending announcements yesterday. The current fiscal year's budget deficit is set to soar above 100 billion Hong Kong dollars due to slower than expected economic growth in Hong Kong and lower than expected revenue from land premium and stamp duty. In his budget speech, Mr Chan forecast a consolidated deficit of 101.6 billion Hong Kong dollars for this financial year, almost double the estimate laid out a year ago. Among the most notable budget measures announced yesterday, Hong Kong will raise the tax on high earners for the first time in two decades and scrap or pop property cooling measures. Hong Kong's economic growth was confirmed at 4.3% year on year in the fourth quarter of 2023 in line with market expectations and up from a 4.1% rise in the previous period. It marked the strongest expansion since the fourth quarter of 2021 on the back of increased inbound tourism and private consumption. China's top legislative body passed a revised law on state secrets on Tuesday as Beijing emphasises the importance of national security in policy making. The new law, which takes effect from May 1st, expands its protections of state secrets to include a broad category of unclassified information known as work secrets. The new law codifies the party's management of secrets and emphasises confidentiality around emerging technologies such as artificial intelligence. Private property developer Country Garden, once China's largest developer by sales, is facing a winding up petition, which has been filed in Hong Kong by a creditor. A firm called Ever Credit Limited filed the case for non-payment of a loan worth 1.6 billion Hong Kong dollars. Country Garden, which defaulted on its overseas debt in October, says it will resolutely oppose the petition. On today's programme, I'm joined by Alex Foo-McMillan, a freelance writer and Asian columnist for TheStreet.com, and Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market's and if you want to get in touch with any questions or comments, I'm sure you know the drill by now. Please go to my website, peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com. <laughs> US stocks were lower on Wednesday ahead of the release of key inflation data, and later today, the Bureau of Economic Analysis will release January's personal consumption expenditures price index data, which is expected to show that prices rose 0.4% month-on-month in January, up from 0.2% in December. The S&P 500 pulled back 0.2% to 5,070. The Dow shed 23 points, or 0.1%, to 38,949. That's its third straight Day of losses, the Nasdaq composite fell 0.6% to 15,948, the yield on the U.S. 10-year Treasury note eased 4 basis points to 4.27%, and the U.S. dollar index rose 0.2% to a one-week high just below 104. And the Japanese yen printed at a high of a, the U.S. dollar, sorry, printed at a high of 150.84 yen per dollar, with a year-to-date peak just above that at 150.88. The offshore yuan weakened towards 7.22 renminbi per dollar, sliding to its lowest levels in a week as persistent deflationary pressure, growth challenges and property sector woes in China continue to weigh on sentiment. Gold was 0.2% higher, around $2,033 an ounce, and Brent crude oil futures, expiring in April, fell 0.1% to $83.59 a barrel. And Bitcoin jumped above $60,000 on Wednesday to the highest level since November 2021, having traded above $64,000 earlier in the day. The cryptocurrency rose by 6.4% to hit $60,815, and that pushes the weekly gain to approximately 19% and the increase for the month of February to about 43%. In Hong Kong, stocks of property developers rose after Financial Secretary Paul Chan scrapped Hong Kong's property cooling measures in a bid to bolster the sector. The Hang Seng Property Index jumped as much as 2.6% following the announcement, but then slipped from session highs to close 0.6% lower. New World Development shares surged as much as 9.8% before closing 2.9% higher. Henderson Land closed 3.8% higher. However, the broader equity markets didn't react positively to the budget news, falling the most in four weeks, the Hang Seng Index declined 254 points. That's one and a half percent to close the day at 16,537. Country Garden Services tumbled six and a half percent after its affiliate Country Garden Holdings received a winding up petition from a creditor. On the mainland, the Shanghai Composite dropped 1.9 percent to 2,958 as investors await the National People's Congress that begins on March the fifth for sign. Of further policy support from authorities. And the CSI 2000 index, which is a gauge of small caps favoured by quants, dropped 6.8% Wednesday, the most since February 5th, snapping eight days of gains. After Bloomberg reported that the CSRC has ordered quantitative trading firms to stop accepting new inflows and to phase out their existing products. And futures markets pointing to a decline of about 100 points for the Hang Seng, projected to open around 16,440. And you can get more details on the latest market movements in my daily newsletter, which you'll find at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com.
2: Every Monday to Friday,
1: this is Peter Lewis's Money Talk.
0: Peter Lewis is-
1: Time to welcome our guests. We have with us Alex Frew McMillan, a freelance writer and Asia columnist for thestreet.com. Morning, Alex. Good morning, Peter. And also with us is Andrew Sullivan, who is the founder of Asian Market Sense. Very good morning to you, Andrew. Good morning. Hong Kong's economy expected to grow 2.5% to 3.5% this year, financial secretary Paul Chan said on Wednesday as he announced measures to bolster a flagging property market and support the economy. In his budget speech, Mr. Chan forecast a consolidated deficit of 101.6 billion Hong Kong dollars for this financial year, that's almost double the estimate laid out a year ago, with fiscal reserves falling to 733 billion Hong Kong dollars by March the 31st. That's the lowest level in a decade. And the record government deficit has led to a slashing of the scale of one-off relief measures and new or raised taxes in the latest budget. Amongst the most notable budget measures announced yesterday is Hong Kong will raise the tax on high earners and scrap all property cooling measures. So the the budget was themed advance with confidence, seize opportunities, strive for high quality developments. And the financial secretary put the focus very squarely on economic recovery and trying to bolster um, confidence in, in the economy as he plans to try and deepen innovation and in technology. And also, he said, seek new markets and attract tourism and investment. So did he um, succeed? Alex, what's your sort of very high level thoughts ab- about what is done in the budget?
2: Well, I think probably the scrapping of the property cooling measures is the m- most uh, far reaching um- uh, move that's been made and and much needed really I mean we can see that the property market is on its knees and and transaction volumes are are down massively um and of course that's a huge source of of government revenue the the stamp duties that uh, and land sales that the government gets so I think this is both necessary from the government's point of view and then also very necessary from the property market's point of view um You know, they think that the the change in income tax is only going to affect about 12,000 people total. Um, And it's not a huge change. I mean, let's face it, uh, moving from 15% to 16% um, for for high earners is still an extremely low uh, income tax by global standards. I mean, most of uh, people in that category are are getting taxed at 40% or higher. And in most Western countries, so um, it's still incredibly attractive to to be a high income owner in Hong Kong, even after this change. Um, and then um, I'm not sure how much effect the uh, 1.1 billion dollars allocated to mega events and tourism and monthly fireworks shows is going to have. But uh, uh, obviously, they're they're keen to to bring tourists back to the city as well. But uh, I I think that the change in you know, in property um, loan to value ratios that we've seen from the HKMA and so on, should uh, inject some new life into the property market.
1: Andrew, what, what are your sort of top level thoughts about the, uh, the budget and, and the sort of difference overall that it's, it's going to make to the, uh, to the economy? I
0: think Alex is right there on the tax it, it affects very few people it does allow the government to say that it's uh, penalizing you know uh, high income earners although we still have the problem that you know Hong Kong's richest man doesn't pay any tax uh, because he gets all his salary through dividends um, so that, that, that it does maybe show that Hong Kong needs to reapproach, you know, where it gets its revenues from. The reliance on property uh, has shown to be lacking. Uh, and if uh, if the confidence in Hong Kong continues to dissipate and people decide they don't want to live here, then long term wise we're going to have a problem. Um, so that probably you know highlights a need to review. Um, I think Alex is very right. I mean, tourism. We've never been known as a major tourism industry place. We've been known as a you know an international city uh, an international finance city at that uh, and that wow. uh... That uh, title is being eroded by you know what 's happening in China and the fact that the markets there aren 't very good, uh, and also by the fact that you know people are worried about the national security law uh, and I think as you mentioned this morning in your, uh, on your web page, the fact that they timed it up for for work secrets um, is just going to worry business people again about the the risks of doing uh, business in Hong Kong. Um, on the property side, as I say, you know, it's been the bedrock here because people have wanted to work here, because we've been an in international finance centre. Um, those measures were supposed to to stop it uh, overheating, but that's not really the case. I mean, poor people in Hong Kong still can't afford a property here. Um, it's it's an, an an inflated asset. And the fact that we see people going over the border every weekend to spend their money in Shenzhen just shows you that rents and, and, and values are, are overrated here.
1: Let's dig into a couple of specific things then in the budget. First of all, the deficits. That was that was a standout, wasn't it? The deficit has ballooned to one hundred and one point six billion Hong Kong dollars. Uh, That's going to leave. That's more than double what he was predicting uh, this time a year ago, and it's going to leave the fiscal reserves at the lowest level in a decade of about seven hundred and thirty-three billion Hong Kong dollars. Um, Alex do these deficits matter? Or are you worried that maybe uh, Mr. Chan's losing control of Hong Kong's finances?
2: Well, I mean, we see in the United States that deficits don't seem to matter. I mean, they continue to, to run up a, uh, a massive bill and uh, and not need to pay it because people have confidence that the, the US government's not going to default. Um, you know, Hong Kong was in the luxurious position of having surpluses for many, many years. So, Uh, They're kind of eating into that because uh, the Chinese economy is not being good. The Hong Kong economy is not being good. Um, And, you know, uh, effectively Hong Kong has a strange system where high property prices are the tax on the wealthy um, that really funds much of the government um, and, and salary taxes stay very low. Um, and that's achieved through expensive land sales and through stamp duties that the government can recoup. Um, so it is high property prices that are effectively the way of, of taxing, um, you know, wealthy uh, landowners or homeowners. So um, you know we, we'll we'll see if lifting the property cooling measures um, sparks transactions back to life, and that should then lead to stronger land sales. Stronger stamp duties for the government, better flow of income. Um, so um, I, I think this is a temporary situation, and uh, you know, econo- The Hong Kong economy is not doing great, but still posting some sort of meagre growth. Or the last quarter was pretty good. Um, so uh, you know, it, it's still growing. We're not in recession, um, and and I expect that that uh, that. Uh, we will return to a surplus, um, perhaps not next year, but, but within a period of years.
1: I mean, he's predicting uh, a budget loss of $48.1 billion next year. But of course, you've got to bear in mind, that's after um, he's raised over $100 billion in, in through bonds. So, um, and Andrew, do you think he's losing control here? Or is he um, just trying to do a, a, a sort of a balancing act? He's, got a, he's been forced into uh, taking some measures that are going to increase the deficit and um, lower revenues. And at the same time, he doesn't want to damage the economy. And also, he doesn't want to um, put the burden on people who maybe can't afford it.
0: I think it's in a no win situation to be honest. I mean, he's we're still flogging the old model and as Alex pointed out, you know, we, we we've historically relied on those high land sales uh, to generate income and, and that provided us with surpluses. But the world has moved on. I mean we hear about a lot more people buying units in Shenzhen at a third the cost of what they can buy them for in Hong Kong and then commuting into Hong Kong. So, you know, Hong Kong is losing um its historical revenue base and and realistically it has to i think you know reevaluate whether that uh, model still works um you know he mentioned about these raising bonds for new future development uh, and saying that they're not going to be used to uh, to fund government expenditure but the reality is is there that demand um for high priced uh, property units i mean of course you know, the government's saying it's going to provide more uh, you know, public housing, and that's that's obviously to meet the needs of, of most of the population. And the real question is: is there demand from those high earners to come to Hong Kong and buy property here, uh, or will they go to, to Singapore, or, which I think is 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 likely, and we're seeing some top companies and executives move there. And and equally, you know, we're doing more business with Dubai. People will look at moving to Dubai where there's no tax for uh, expats. So I think realistically, relying on high property values and, and, and taxes uh, maybe is questionable and needs to be reviewed.
1: I mean, Alex, see, the, the government can't say it hasn't been warned, has it? Because advisors, tax experts have been saying for several years now, actually, that Hong Kong needs to broaden out its tax base because eventually uh, this is going to become a problem. It sounds like we have hit the wall now and this is where it is starting to become um, a big problem.
2: Well, as I said, I mean, let's see how land sales proceed from here. Uh, that that would be a, a, a good yardstick. We didn't see any mention of capital gains taxes on property transactions, for instance, which is something that's been sort of floated and filtering around in the background. Um, that wasn't mentioned. So um, they didn't really outline any sort of new methods of generating income for the government um so you know I, I think land sales and 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 stamp duties on equity transactions and property transactions um will will need to pick up and uh, i think they should as a result of of scrapping the cooling measures um so uh and then you know uh, let's not forget i mean the chinese economy has been doing very poorly by its historic standards um so i think that's really been dragging hong kong's fortunes down um if and when the Chinese economy uh, recovers, um, then, then Hong Kong should. But, uh, you know, in, in the mainland, they've got to find some way of, of backstopping the completion risk on apartments and, uh, you know, guaranteeing that people are going to be able to put down deposits with confidence that their apartment will actually get built. I think that's the biggest issue that they've mm-hmm. yet to really address uh, in China um, if the economy there is going to recover.
1: Andrew, what do you make of these new tax measures on high-income earners, also some tax measures on on luxury homes? I know it's small, and I know it only affects a small number of people, but could there be a worry that – this is maybe the thin edge of a wedge. Once you start raising taxes, where does it end? And it also sort of rather sends out a signal, doesn't it? Because Hong Kong's been known for just having a very stable um, tax system for, for many, many years, which really hasn't changed. Taxes haven't gone up for a long time. Is there maybe some symbolism to this? Well, I think it's unfortunate symbolism,
0: really. We're saying that we're open for business and we want to you know, attract top quality talent. Uh, and then we say, but if you do come here as top quality talent, we're going to tax you more than the, than the rest of the population. So it's putting a burden on on the people we're trying to attract, which is setting out a, a mixed signal, in my opinion. Uh, and we're competing globally for these these people. You know, they don't have to come to Hong Kong. Uh, and as Alex was saying, the Hong Kong economy uh, and stock markets and IPOs aren't going well at the moment because of our uh, connection uh, and close links with China. So, you know, it, it, it's not exactly uh, a welcome mat. I mean, the government keeps telling people to tell good stories and to, you know, and, and to promote Hong Kong. But it's very difficult to do based on the facts that we see, day. In front
1: of us. Do you think it will put people off? Do you think um, it will either stop people coming here um, when they start to look at this, or maybe even people who are already here make them think about moving elsewhere?
0: Well, I think it's a it's a consideration. I mean, certainly, if you're a banker and and looking at the prospects here, or going to Singapore or Dubai, where the markets are are much stronger, uh, certainly Dubai, where we're talking about you know trying to attract a lot of Middle Eastern money to come here, then where would you be based if you're doing Dubai business? Do you want to be based in Hong Kong, attracting the business from Dubai, or be in Dubai, uh, sending business to Hong Kong? Uh, those are you know it, it, this is just one more against the checklist of maybe 10 items, this is one more negative.
1: Hmm. And Alex, do you think even though maybe they're small, that it's also it's not going to be that effective, is it? It's not really going to help that much to fill, uh, to fill the fiscal hole that we're in.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was just looking at, you know, I think Singapore's top tax rate is 22%. Uh, the top tax rate in the United States is 37% uh, in Europe, as I said often 40% to to 50% depending on the country. So um I think you know Hong Kong having a increasing its income tax from 15% to 16% is is not really that big of a, a deterrent for people. Mm-hmm. I mean it still leaves it still leaves Hong Kong's uh, income tax at incredibly low levels. Um and uh, yeah, whether this does plug the hole in the, in, in the budget, I, I'm not, not sure that it will. I mean, I think it is a symbolic move, as he said, rather than really a move designed to, to, to balance the budget.
1: And, and the thing is that the deficit is still going to be big next year. Um, you know, yeah. although he says 50 billion, that's after the issuance of bonds of about 120 billion. So we're still going to actually have another big deficit next year that he's got to try and f- fill that hole with.
2: Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, equity markets in Hong Kong have performed horribly for, for four years in a row now. Um, you know, the economy has been... Uh, uh, experiencing lackluster growth i think those are the two things that really need to change for for um you know the the hong kong government's finances to to improve um that that and the equity market will likely you know recover before the economy front running it a little bit um i think when us interest rates do start to come down that should be quite a boost and um you know that's the the um, timing of that is being pushed back uh, because the U.S. economy continues to, to be relatively strong. So, um, you know, when, when we're going to get that kind of help since we've got imported U.S. interest rates, um, you know, it's, it's being pushed back, meaning that the equity rally in Hong Kong that I'd expected to start at the beginning of this year really has, has not come yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we need to continue to wait for that to happen.
1: Um, Andrew, one other tax that uh, Mr. Chan announced, which I, I found a little bit odd. This was re- reviving basically the hotel tax, which has uh, been waived since 2008. It's going to be 3%. It's going to generate income of about 1.1 billion. But it seems to go in contrast with the idea of, of then spending a billion dollars to try and get tourists to come um, into Hong Kong. But having got them here, you're going to charge them more on hotels, which already mainland tourists think are way overvalued and way too expensive. Expensive compared to what they pay in, say, uh, Shenzhen.
0: I think you're right. I mean, yes, uh, this is a, yeah, it, it, it's a very small tax revenue generator. Um, it's sends, again. It's it's the government sending out a mixed signal. You know, we want to come. We want you to come, basically, because we want to take as much money off you as possible. Which is which is not generally a good uh, tourism slogan <laughs> to be uh, to be promoting. Um, And I think it's, you know, I can see why the government's doing it, because certainly the hotel bookings in Hong Kong have risen significantly. They were high during COVID. But a lot of that was that Hong Kong was being used as a transition base by a lot of Chinese people
1: who couldn't fly back directly to China. Alex, what what are your thoughts on that? It's it's slightly odd, isn't it? When you're trying to encourage tourists to come here, you're spending a billion dollars on attracting them, but then you're going to charge them more uh, when they stay here.
2: Yeah, I, I don't typically like, um, you know, consumption taxes and uh, and hotel taxes. Um, I think it's just the kind of thing that the government thinks it can get away with, you know, and it'll be just slapped onto your bill at the end of your stay, and uh, people, you know, won't won't notice, or it's not going to uh, discourage people from from coming to stay. But yes, I mean, it's definitely a mixed message saying we're going to spend one point. Uh, you know um, a billion one, hong kong one billion dollars to, to try to um encourage people to come to the city and then we're going to discourage you by making it more expensive to stay um we've already seen uh, a lot of mainland visitors sort of downshift in their spending and uh and a, a movement in in China towards more budget type experiences um i know when i whenever i drive along the Kennedy Town waterfront. You know, there's just a huge crowd of people looking to take uh, free uh, pictures of the sunset and and of the waterfront there. Um, That's a a free experience, essentially. Uh, Go and and, uh, get a selfie in front of the waterfront. Um, And it seems that mainland tourists have been sort of moving to those kinds of budget experiences, cheaper experiences. Um, So I don't think a a hotel tax is really going to encourage... Uh, more of that kind of traveller who's trying to do things on a shoestring budget.
1: And, and do you think mega <laughs> events and, um, and and things like uh, monthly firework displays will attract those tourists?
2: I'm not sure about the monthly firework displays. I mean, that seems irregular enough that uh, I'm not sure people are going to time their trip uh, to coincide specifically with a, a fireworks show. Um, so, yeah, that that seems like an odd decision. Um, but, uh, mega events, I mean, certainly do bring people, um, uh, we, you know, we've seen uh, economists trying to calculate the economic effect of a Taylor Swift concert, uh, <laughs> because, uh, it brings so many people to, uh, a, any city, um, uh, at, at one, one point for that event. Um, so, uh, mega events do, do bring people, uh, into the city and, and raise the city's profile, uh, you know, if it's a sporting event, uh, yeah, it gets coverage um, and and just sort of, you know, reaffirms the fact that Hong Kong's uh, open for business again. So uh, I think the mega events do, do um, you know, the, I think they pay for themselves when you consider the amount of support that the, the government lends to them.
1: Andrew, what are your I mean, I- thoughts?
0: Well, I'm I'm slightly worried by that because I think yes, certainly you, know, you look in Australia, people travel to the major cities for these events. But in Hong Kong, I don't think anybody's you know going to fly specifically you know to Hong Kong for a Taylor Swift event, you know, in so much as they would you know from surrounding states in the U.S. It's a slightly different matrix here. And as alex was saying earlier i mean that the hope that you know the, the tourists that we are attracting from the mainland aren't the rich tourists that used to come here to buy a rolex watch because they were worried about fakes in china that that boat has gone um the, the tourists coming here are the package tours again uh low spending um and you know again i think those tourists are going to be put off by the extra three percent per day on, on your hotel bill uh, because you know that's eats into their budget which isn't great to start with um and again mega events you know in the past you know the mega events that hong kong has done well and, and been known for are things like you know the credit Suisse um investor conference that was tacked on to, with the uh with the hong kong sevens and that didn't require the government to to invest a huge amount of money I think the trouble is now that we've got government thinking that it's a tourist agency, um, rather than allowing the private sector to get on with tourism and, and the government to get on with the idea of running the country. Um, and I think when you get governments trying to force tourism, it, it usually ends up badly with a waste of money.
1: Mm. Yeah, very good point. Now, one of the one of the uh, the problems with the deficit is that uh, Paul Chan's had to uh, take a more targeted approach to spending. P- probably the most high profile victim is his ditch consumption vouchers for residents this year. That cost the public coffers thirty three billion Hong Kong dollars last year. Alex, was, was that the right decision? Do you think to to end consumption
2: vouchers? I mean, obviously there were a popular move uh with you know rank file citizens um but uh, they they didn't particularly make sense as a way of stimulating an economy i think there are better ways of promoting growth in a city that a government should engage in um other than than freebies um you know the rates concession has been um trimmed uh in uh Consecutive years. So now it's just one quarter and and $1,000 per property, a maximum. So um, that's also declined. Um, And they've said that um, I'm not really sure what they mean by reviewing the $2 scheme on public transportation, but not changing it, Mm. uh, which is what they've said that they're going to do. Um, That seems like a a strange thing to say. So uh, why review it if you're not going to change it? but, uh, yeah, I mean, fewer freebies is, is the bottom line. Um, and I, I think that does make sense from the government's point of view.
1: Andrew, what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, I think, yeah, you know, the consumption vouchers, the trouble was, you know, we're saying that we're a rich economy, but they were given to everybody rather than, you know, necessarily being more targeted. And I think they would have been far more effective if there had been a, a means-tested, and, it, and it's interesting to note that you know we have no unemployment benefit here; we have mainly means-tested benefits. So the government knows how to do means testing, uh, and therefore I think it could have targeted the spending of that money a lot better, and probably got a better return on its money uh, by using some of its existing systems rather than this carte blanche, you know, good, good feeling factor that it, it that it indulged in. Uh, and I agree with Alex. I mean, the, the $2 travel scheme for those over 60, remember, these are people that are generally not working or on low incomes. Um, what are you going to review? Are you going to put that up and, and, and hurt a, a proportion of the society that really probably relies on that uh, more than anything else? So it, you know, again, the government sending out very mixed signals and it, a lot of it doesn't seem to be well thought out at this stage.
1: Mm. now Alex the other thing the government talked about was uh, issuing bonds 95 billion to 135 billion annually over the next five years to drive some of these big infrastructure projects but it does appear that uh, the Lantau Tomorrow project which was Carrie Lamb's pet scheme which barely got a mention last year's budget has been quietly dropped now altogether doesn't it
2: well um the They do say that they're going to still build these, uh, you know, artificial islands um, off Lantau um, and that that's, you know, going to be pushed back, but definitely going to go ahead. I wonder if that won't quietly be dropped. Uh, It seems that the, you know, the northern metropolis is the the first focus. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Hong Kong has an opportunity to become one of the first economies, first cities to try to focus, um, you know, on not just uh, pavementing and concreting everything over and calling that uh, amazing progress. Um, And to really, you know, try to make its economy as efficient as possible, as high functioning as possible, as services oriented as possible and move away from the idea that the only way you get growth is by, you know, constructing um, multi-story towers everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, I think you know we we need to look at what uh, we consider a measure of success for an economy um uh, you know GDP growth has been the the yardstick really um but I think efficiency productivity gains happiness gains uh, satisfaction gains uh, are all things that that uh, should be measured as well um so uh, you know purely looking at Property development or, or infrastructure development as, as a future you know, success, I think, is short-sighted.
1: Andrew, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? So there's clearly got to be a lot of infrastructure spending, hasn't there, through, uh, through bond issuance. That seems to be the government's plan, although there are calls that this should be specifically targeted, that each bond should be designated a project. So it's very clear what exactly it is. Uh, it's financing.
2: Well,
0: yes, and it'll be interesting to see how many of them are green bonds. Considering that the, the financial secretary wants us to become a, a centre for green financing, you know, is he actually going to, uh, to 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 sort of live up to his own hype and buy, uh, issue these bonds and then do things that are green with them? So it'll be very interesting. But I agree with Alex. I mean, I think uh, you yeah, know the idea. I, I, would, I was going to say allowing those little islands to sink off Lantau would probably be a good idea or if you're going to build them up, make them into little tourist homes so that uh, people can enjoy the environment. Um, but the, the, the reality was these were big, broad-brush schemes aimed to try and give confidence to the property sector, aimed to try and meet the the needs of Hong Kong. I mean, realistically, we don't have a land shortage for housing. What we have a problem with is we want to keep the land values high so the government benefits, the developers benefit, The existing owners benefit, uh, but it doesn't help the new people looking to come into the system um but going back to the bonds issue yes i mean I, I agree with alex i mean we don't want to just be concreting i mean if we're going to promote ourselves as a tourism center we should be talking about you know the the good walks the, the wonderful beaches um the lovely venues that we have here rather than you know a new uh, shot in link somewhere mm-hmm. um it's going to be very difficult i think for the government to to really you know square this going forwards um, just because you know hong kong has a lot of unique features but all those historic features really are um, are coming unraveled now we need a, a really a new blueprint
1: Mm. Is the northern metropolis, isn't this another example of really the government intervening where it doesn't really need to? I mean, if there was a real need to have this metropolis on the border with Shenzhen, businesses would be going there already. They would be setting up in, in that area, isn't it? Uh, shouldn't this all be left to uh, the private sector and, and the markets to decide if we, if we need this? Well, we already
0: have the science park up there, which is, you know, attracting its own demand there. But I agree with you. I mean, this, I think, really is Hong Kong trying to ingratiate itself into China uh, and and show Beijing. We are looking to try and link ourselves into the Greater Bay Area, which I, I don't think, again, it's the government forcing issues. And, and it goes against Hong Kong's historical uh, laissez-faire attitude of allowing business to develop business and it will just administrate it rather than the government telling business what to do which as as in in tourism just doesn't really work Uh, and i think the fact that we're seeing problems in the mainland economy just really goes to show that the command economy structure doesn't work in the
1: long term. Alex, what are your thoughts on that? Are we moving away from our sort of laissez-faire economy, which has served us very well for a long time, and now trying to have the government really dictate where businesses ought to locate and, and how they ought to be doing?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, the, the government could um, make it easier to redevelop parts of, of the existing city um, and, you know, make it easier to convert uh, property use types from industrial, for instance, into commercial and residential. Uh, you know, Tong has really transitioned pretty successfully into a, a second business uh, hub with a, a lot of offices, um, although vacancies are pretty high. Um, so I, I think that has been quite a successful uh, redevelopment of, a, of an area that was really like the first uh, resident, uh, sorry, industrial neighborhood in Hong Kong. Um, that's been, you know, gradually shifted to being a commercial area. And I think that's quite a successful approach. Um, You know, but I I think the government has got it in its head that it needs to come up with grand schemes and, you know, command economy style approaches. Um, Yeah, I, I, I don't think that that necessarily works and designating something a northern metropolis doesn't make it a successful metropolis. It's just a, a catchy term. Mm.
1: Andrew, what do you make of the market reaction overall? I mean, initially, property stocks jumped on the, uh, the re, uh, on the removing the property cooling measures, but it didn't seem to last very long, did it? A lot of those uh, property companies sort of run out of steam as the day went on, and the broader market uh, sank uh, 1.5%. What, did, what are your thoughts on the reaction?
0: Well, I mean, we've seen the property stocks being shorted um, quite significantly on a daily basis so to see a to see an initial pop there uh, as alex was saying you know, the, the hope is that this will generate more sales for them so i think you saw a lot of short covering there you know off the off the bat so to speak but then the big issue yesterday was really this winding up petition against country garden which puts again another uh, another sort of damocles over the chinese property developers and and the property interest and again as alex was saying earlier you know the government's really got to do something in in china to to try and restore confidence there which is just lacking and i think you know we, we, we it's it's about a year since there were first questions about country garden it's been 3 years since we questioned evergrand the fact is that the government in those 3 years have not done anything to really you know shore up that market i think it's is a real worry for investors and um, i think increasingly we're likely to see a, a domino effect to other developers uh, with their offshore funding problems, um, that continues to undermine it. So I think there's going to be a lot of difficulty there. I think the reaction to the budget itself was was probably minimal. There was not a lot there that was going to drive people uh, out on the, out, out to, to, with excitement onto the streets and get their wallets out.
1: How how big a problem is this Country Garden uh, petition? Presumably Country Garden's going to try and do some negotiations first, isn't it, with its creditors and come up with a plan which could drag this out for quite a long time?
0: Well, I think the important thing about the Country Garden one was this was um, Kingboard Chemicals lending them money. So this was a federally company coming in to help them. And I think think Beijing was trying to structure it that it would try and get a lot of these companies to help each others out with, with these sort of loan deals. The fact now that King Lord is now calling that loan in and is disappointed that it hasn't been um, repaid just shows you that that was never going to be a solution. Um, And I think that the likelihood is that more and more creditors will realise that they are unlikely to get their money back uh, by waiting and therefore
1: they will be more
0: aggressive in in these petitions going
1: forward. Alex, how big a problem is Country Garden, a a winding up petition for, for Country Garden?
2: Well, it does effectively force them to negotiate perhaps a little more um, urgently with creditors. Um, I think uh, investors do generally think that Country Garden will, will survive, unlike Evergrande. So, um, you know, at, at the moment, it doesn't appear um, likely that they will be forced into complete liquidation. But, uh, you know, you, you never know. Uh, it it, it really requires some complex negotiations with creditors um, who are going to be getting cents back on the dollar. But, uh, you know, the question is how how many cents? So um, we'll we'll see where this goes. I I don't think this is, you know, necessarily the beginning of the end of Country Garden, but perhaps the beginning of of the the need to come up with a a sensible um, package that, you know, protects the rights of small creditors. So um perhaps uh, you know, smaller creditors as represented by Evercredit feel that they weren't really being dealt with sensibly um or and and uh, doing this to protect their own interests. Um but yeah, I I think that this is gonna roll onwards. So it's the beginning of a, a interesting new development. Um uh but you know, property stocks in China have been challenged. They they performed poorly yesterday, as did you know, gen- general consumption stocks, leaning and anti sports uh, were some of the biggest decliners. Trip dot com, um, so and and then the Hong Kong property stocks, as you've pointed out, you know, halved their gains during the day. So we saw uh, the the Hong Kong budget's effect, you know, kind of fizzle out within a day.
1: Well, thank you both very much for your thoughts this morning. You heard that Alex Frew-McMillan, who is a freelance writer and Asia columnist for thestreet.com, and Andrew Sullivan, who is founder of Asian Market Sense.
0: You're listening to Peter Lewis's Money Talk.
1: Money Talk! Thank you for listening to Money Talk this morning. Do please take a look at my newsletter at peterlewismoneytalk.substack.com for more information on developments during the Asian Trading Day. I'll be back tomorrow when I'll be joined by Francis Lund, the CEO of GEO Securities, and Tim Huxley, Chairman of Mandarin Shipping. And with a view from Australia, it's Toby Lawson, the CEO at Staten Partners. Have a great day. Money Talk.